Welcome to episode 208 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Next month, the amazing Eldritch Theatre is remounting the harrowing of Brimstone McCready, which features Eldritch's artistic director of The Uncanny as Brimstone McCready, as he brings to life the story of a two-bit con man in over his head against the dark spirits of the North in a tale of greed, horror, and grift. And you know what? I love this show, and because I love this show so much, I've teamed up with Eldritch to offer you a pair of tickets to the opening night of the show on October 14th, 2019 at the Red Sandcastle Theatre. To get the tickets, tweet or tag Stageworthy and tell me what monster will be your downfall in the imaginary Halloween horror movie that you star in. We'll keep the contest running until November the 1st. And you can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod. And you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And my website is PhilRickaby.com. And for those of you who don't win, you can get a sweet discount on tickets by using the promo code STAGEWORTHY, all one word, when you buy tickets to the harrowing of Brimstone McCready at EldritchTheater.ca. My guest this week is Holly Wider. Holly is an actor, producer, comedian, and writer. Her her solo play, Drink of Choice, was a patron's pick at the 2019 Toronto Fringe and is being remounted from October 23rd to November 3rd at the Factory Theatre in Toronto. Uh, so it's been like a, a real whirlwind for you since, I mean, so Fringe yeah, was a thing. It was a thing. Happened. We'll get to that in a second, but now you're remounting Drink of Choice. Yes. And that's, you know what, we'll get to that. Let's start with Fringe. Let's start with Fringe because <laughs> um, your show sort of turned out to be like a big a hit. Of yeah. Yeah. You never know going in you what don't it's going to be. You don't yeah. know. And you seemed pretty surprised by that, from what I could tell. Like, <laughs> yeah. That, like, people were coming out in, in such numbers. Uh, yeah, people were coming in numbers. We got enough numbers to get patrons picks, so that's yeah, great. Yeah. Um, especially all the way in the East End at Crows. I was, like, very much expecting, like, low, like yeah. 10, 20 people max. Um, yeah, yeah. Which we did double, triple that, so nice. that was good. Nice, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I guess it's, it's weird because it is such a like personal story that I'm telling yeah so it's like yeah come see me talk about my sadness on stage it's it's interesting you know I've, I've been talking with, with people about you know people talk about universal stories mm. and things like that you always find out that the more personal the story is the more people relate to relate, it yeah for sure you know if you try to tell a story to everybody that, that works for everybody everybody's like i don't like that i yeah. don't see myself in that yeah but the more specific you get the better it is yeah can we talk a little bit about writing drink of choice aside from the fact that it's it's a pick your own pick your own journey. story pick your own journey <laughs> pick your own journey yep. Yeah, you also you do have the distinction of, of having received a cease and desist yeah. from the mouse, <laughs> yep. which you know what 
I would put that on a fucking t-shirt. I know, I think that's so funny. But yeah, we were just also very hesitant about like advertising that because we're just like, oh sure, don't want to actually be no, no, but but it's but so you're writing this show. Mm -hmm. I I will start with um, what is it that made you want to put this this personal story of yours right on stage yeah so it originally started because i've, I've been wanting to for a while do a solo show about my sexuality mm -hmm. um just because i find that asexuality is not something that you see very often no. anywhere no where even when i have conversations with people they're still like i don't really know what that is and i'm like oh <laughs> you seem like someone i would think would know what yes. that is but yeah i forget how uncommon it is mm -hmm. yeah. because even for me I didn't discover it until I was 22 and my best friend was like hey let's watch this documentary <laughs> um and I was like what what is this this was, was this like your friend's intervention was this your friend being like I honestly don't know I should ask her I should okay, or, yeah. or maybe she was also curious like maybe yeah. I've, I just talked about it so much that she was like I haven't actually seen this but right. this might be something that you would be interested in yeah um so I forget that it's so uncommon, and then um, that's why I wanted to do a show about it uh, for so long, and then Drink of Choice ended up being what that became. Yeah. Um, so that's where it kind of started. It's not just, I mean, asexuality is not just um, not well-known, but it's also, like, it's not like it, hap it, it appears in pop culture, yeah. you know? We see yeah. in all the movies, yeah. somebody falls in love with somebody else, and there's all this stuff. It's yeah. not even... It's not even a thing. No, it's not even... Yeah, and, like, luckily, there's been a few... Like, obviously, I know more because, like, I've done the research. I was like, sure. okay, so, like, there are characters out there, but, like, it's not as known or yeah. it doesn't have a label to it, but any asexual watching is like, oh, that character's asexual. Like, sure. I, I know that. Um, like, specifically, the biggest reference would be Todd from BoJack Horseman, <clears throat> mm -hmm. which, like, everyone... That's, like, the first time I've ever seen that. Um, actually verbalized as asexuality. Sure. Where his character actually goes to an asexuality meetup and, like, yeah. starts dating another asexual and, like, it it, uh, it tackles that idea. Like, so many people are like, oh, well, why don't you just date another asexual? I'm like, 1%. Yeah. 1% <laughs> of the population. And then consider the fact that they also have to be someone you like. Yes. And they have to be the gender that you also like, which is yes. different when you're asexual, yes. yes, but it doesn't mean you just like every asexual. Like, that's <laughs> just not how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they tackle that in Bojack, which I really appreciate mm. as an asexual. Uh, but yeah, even then, it's like, that's really the only reference I can have. Mm. And so I'll be like, oh, just watch episode f or season five, episode three or something. Yes. And one of those. And it'll be like, then watch that and get back to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so now I have this show that I can be like, oh, well, come and see and yeah. see what that actually means. And specifically because it is my own journey of asexuality mm -hmm. does not mean that that's what, like, that is the definition of asexuality. You know, going in going into your mm -hmm. show, I certainly did not. I, I, it, it is so you <laughs> yeah. that it's like, there's like, okay, so this is this person. There's no, there's no way that I felt like somebody could come out of that show feeling like, oh, that is all asexual yes. because... You are your personality on the stage is so there that it's like this is obviously this is Holly's story, yeah, you know, yeah, which is yeah. great. Yeah, good. I'm glad that that came up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, at what point did the idea of having the story, what stories get told, get just uh, chosen by what drink people mm. order? How did that come about? Um, I. <laughs> As I was writing, I had a point in the story where some writing, 
I had a question in the script that was like, do you even want to hear this? Like, it was always about, like, a bartender talking to the audience and interactive. That was something I really wanted to tackle, Mm -hmm. which I first was like, I want to do an interactive piece. And then I saw Every Brilliant Thing at Cannes Stage, Mm -hmm. which is a solo show, and it's all, it's very audience interactive. And I was like, yeah, I want to do something like that. Like, Mm -hmm. very very much involved without like the audience feeling like oh I don't want to talk mm-hmm. uh, and I had said it in a bar and so then that kind of came about through the writing process and then I had in the script as I'm writing I was like oh I'll just like jokingly be like oh do you even want to hear the story and then be like if they say yes I'll do this haha and so then I made a post on Facebook that mm-hmm. was like my my solo show is now going to be a choose your own adventure haha and then just had like 60 people like oh my god yes please mm-hmm. do that and I was mm-hmm. like well now I have to do you it you do have to at that mm-hmm. point yep Facebook told me uh-huh. uh-huh and then you had to write enough <laughs> so that you could have yep. options uh-huh. throughout the story yeah oh yeah that's that's a bit of a feat was it were there any stories that you didn't get to tell uh yes but we wrote it rewrote it for the this draft okay um yeah i was wondering if like during your run, if there were drinks that didn't get called, so there were oh, stories that you know. got to tell that you didn't get to tell. <laughs> we forced a drink once. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were like, okay, it's four shows in, nobody said mm-hmm. margarita. Whatever drink they say, we'll do the margarita storyline. Okay. Um. So, yeah, it was like they ordered a Cosmo, but we're like, oh, Cosmo, I'm going to actually do margarita. Right. Um, and we had known that. We planned with the, the um, stage manager and stuff because it, it also was my favorite drink. It was one, actually, <laughs> our, our mm. yeah, like our team's favorite drink that just wasn't ever done um and i think it actually did get chosen once but all the Mm. other ones kind of they were pretty even across the board Mm. yeah yeah so in terms of in terms of writing this Mm -hmm. what's the writing what's your writing process like as a as a as a writer of of a solo play i'm often really curious about how people approach writing their solo plays yeah, I'm very much just like word vomit. Um, I like I also have a blog too, which mm-hmm. is very just word vomit, and I find that is really easy for me because mm-hmm. then I just get it all out, and then yeah. I'll go back and be like, okay, this is not necessary. I didn't need to say this. This detail is useless. Like the editing is hard, but I find mm-hmm. for the process to sit down and just be like, okay, what am I ca- going to talk about, or what story am I going to say, and then like list it all out. Yeah. And as far as with the, this show specifically, so many of the stories that I told in my show had been things that I had already written, like journal entries or like attempts at making mm. a book or whatever. So it was just not that I pulled from them, but because I had already written a version of like the story I had with my best friend's ex, mm. like that story I have <clears throat> told so many times in yeah. person, on, written on paper and like... I've used so many different mediums to tell that story that when I sat down to tell it, it was like, okay, now that I've gone through all that, it was yeah. very easy to just be like, all right, boom. Mm. Um, though it was interesting because I originally did, it It was very storytelling. Um, and the show itself now is, is more on the theatrical side mm-hmm. just because my director's very like, we want to like dig in and tear things apart. <coughs> uh-huh. And she's great. Um, and... I find that it was it was good storytelling, but we did, to make the show pop, we needed to make it more theatrical. So after writing the full show and like having one rehearsal with Amanda, and she was like, "This doesn't work for me." Oh my god! <laughs> like, oh no! Oh my god! So like I had a week being like, "Oh my god, my show's shit," and I was like, "No, no, it doesn't mean the stories are bad. It doesn't mean that like the show was bad. It just had to find a way to like make that more animated." Yeah. 
So each story I took out and been like, okay, how can I do this? Like, the best friend's ex story is about like the uh, uh, it's Manhattan, I think. If mm-hmm. you're interested, uh, it's about my uh, when I was it was the first experience I had like with being sexual with mm-hmm. anyone, and it was a friend of mine who I was really close with was dating my best friend. They broke up, and then he, I was his rebound. Um, yeah, yeah, super fun. Yeah. Um, so that, it was just that story. Mm-hmm. And then to animate it on stage, then I was telling the story by like painting each character. And then I was able to like find a way to hop into each character mm-hmm. and also like take myself out of it. So I'm like, there are actually like three characters talking. There's the, the bartender and then the characters on stage as opposed to just like, yeah. And so then we went and did this thing. Yes. And da, da, da. So it was more <clears> of like, it's actually happening in the now. Um, so yeah, it was taking each story and finding different ways to approach that. Mm. Yes. That, I mean, the process of revising mm-hmm. a show and finding how it's going to work on stage is such a, especially a solo show. It's mm-hmm. not like you've got somebody like you've got a director to bounce stuff off of, but like when you're writing it or when you're rehearsing mm-hmm. it, it's not like you have somebody else reacting to you. Yeah. It's so... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> difficult to like to whittle it down and find mm. the yeah I think for me like what's been really great is my director Amanda mm-hmm. Corner is brilliant and it is her first time directing but like she just has such a wonderful energy in the mm. room and also my stage manager Jess Falcioni who's in all the rehearsals but like even just her like just knowing that they're both still enjoying the show after we've done it for so long <laughs> yes, that's, that's a big deal yeah that's a big deal yeah. it's 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 it's, if if you're if your your team can still enjoy it while you're doing it, yeah. And after so long, then I think you got something. Yeah, you're like, good. You're okay. good. Yeah. She's still yeah. laughing genuinely. <clears throat> so, yes. Yeah. 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 That's good. We also did during the rehearsals bring people in every mm-hmm. every rehearsal. <clears throat> we had um, <clears throat> some because it is an interactive show. Yes. We had some guests that I invited, like friends of mine who would just like sit. And I'm like, bring like uh, some knitting or like a book or whatever, but just to like sit there so that if I have to like interact with you. And every single time I said bring something, no one, everyone would just end up watching. And of I was course, like, that's yes. That's nice. Yeah. Um, but it, it really actually, I think, helped the rehearsal process a mm. lot, especially in the first couple weeks because it was like, okay, we need to really like play off of someone. Yeah. And I can't keep playing off my director because she's no. trying to watch the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you got to the point where you had an audience in front of you and your show really, since it relies on interaction, you have to talk to people Mm -hmm. and you're talking to people that you can see. Yeah. Which is a strange thing for actors. Like usually when we're doing a monologue, we like to look into the lights and not like we hope that the theater is big enough that we don't really see anything and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But you're talking like to people. Was that like knowing that you were going to do that? Did that freak you out at all? Um... I think what freaked me out more was having strangers come to see this very personal story. Mm. Uh, but the interaction part, I've, I mean, I've studied improv. I've been doing comedy for sure. five years. Yeah. So I'm very used to playing off the audience. Uh, and I think that's also why I wanted to make it interactive. Cause I was like, as a theater artist, I have the like theatricality and like the, yeah. the training. But as a, an improv comedy artist, I'm like, I want to be able to play off of whatever anyone gives mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, I mean, I think it, it actually kind of helped, especially in the space. It was interesting because I could really only see the front row, like even yes. with the lights and stuff. So it was yeah. like, I could still really only see, like I could sort of make out faces, but mostly. <clears throat> I only ever really interacted with the front row, so it did feel isolated. Mm. Even though I knew there was 60 people there, I could still only see the, like, six people who were, like, involved. Yes, yeah. 
And it kind of also helped me where, like, now I'm telling the story, I'm actually talking to someone. Yes, yeah. So it made it more grounded in a way where I'm not just like, all right, I am going to present my narrative. <coughs> yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was more of, like, people watching an outside conversation. That's good. Because mm. I, I always, years ago, the first time I did The Commandment, my director was like, well, obviously you have to make eye contact with your audience. I was like, shut what? <laughs> I was like... Oh my God, no. No, don't make it do Don't do me. And he was like, well, obviously you have to. Mm-hmm. So I did. Mm-hmm. And this time he was like, well, we're going to keep the lights up for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God damn you. <laughs> Thank you so much. But again, it was like, it, it put the audience yeah. off guard, but it also forced me to like know where mm-hmm. people were. So mm-hmm. like, how are they reacting? And yeah. so it wasn't like cheating by looking, you know, between yeah. shadows and things. Yeah. So. It's so hard to get over yeah. that the first time, mm. the first time you do it. Mm. So, yeah, it was it was nerve wracking for sure. I think for <clears> our first show, we we I think most of the people in the front row I had known because it was like opening night, yeah. so everyone who came I knew. Uh, so that was good too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I mean yeah, and it was interesting too because there's certain stories that I would tell that I knew people in the audience who knew the story. Yeah. Where like my character in the show has no name. You're right. On on purpose. And, like, I don't ever give specifics about things. Like, right. I, And I was talking about this, actually, with a couple of my partners about how when I write, I don't want to write about a person. I want to write about the story. And mm-hmm. even in the show, I talk about, like, you don't actually know what's true. Mm-hmm. You only see the thing that I'm telling you. Right. So with that, I'm like, I never want to, like, sway anyone to one side of a story. I'm mm-hmm. like, here's the story. Here's the bare bones of, of the narrative. And you can figure out what, what makes sense mm-hmm. to you. Um, as far and as well, like metaphorically, the character as well is like I don't, I can't piece this together. So if yeah. I tell you just the, the just the things I know, maybe you can help me. Um, and that's a lot of what that is. And I, mm. I find that uh, there was times where I, I knew per- people in the audience, specifically one performance where there was like a, a group of four of people that I knew knew the person I was talking about. And I'm like, oh, this is hard. This is Did really they- hard. And they knew that you were talking about know. the person, or don't you don't know, know or it was oh, jeez. I know, I know, and I was like, oh, this is weird, because I'm, like, saying a few tiny little details, where I'm like, they could maybe clue in, but I don't think they will, but I don't yeah. know. No. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's like, did you change anything? Did you find yourself, did you chicken out? No. No? No, awesome. no. I was just like, good. I'm just going to go, I'm yeah, just yeah, going yeah. for it. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> I would have been so tempted to chicken out, it's how it would have been. It's like, actually, just getting hard to do this Just thing. like, uh, I'm gonna, just going to change a little bit about yeah. the story, so yeah, yeah, then yeah. it comes off looking a little better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Mm-hmm. What did you learn doing this show at Fringe? Ooh, um, what did you learn about the show? Uh, I have to, I have to, um, I have to give myself a little bit more credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think going in, I was like, oh, like nobody wants to hear this. It's just like me, <clears throat> self masturbatory on stage, like, oh, look at me, I'm an artist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is not what the show is, no. and like it, it did affect. And in in such a positive way, so many like people and groups that like I was so grateful that could mm-hmm. come out. Specifically, there's an asexual uh, group that I'm sort of half connected to, um, <laughs> and uh, not half connected to, but I like know about and I follow their posts and stuff. Sure. And like, don't actually know any of them, but there was a group of them that came out on the last day, nice. and like, yeah, and I, almost every single show, I had someone come up to me after and was like. Thank you. Like, I identify as asexual mm. and, like, came to see the show because I read about it. Nice. And 
it was just it just like really impacted me and like that's kind of what I do as an artist like that's why I create I want to be able to affect people and like why I love watching shows that are relatable like that's the kind of content I want to do yeah so I think doing doing it during fringe was good because it had the nice outreach to just like so many communities yes that uh it allowed me to really kind of appreciate myself a little bit more Mm. (laughs) even as I say that I'm like no but you were I mean you were pretty nervous going into fringe Uh uh-huh like you were pretty nervous (laughs) about doing your show at fringe yeah yeah but you know Mm -hmm. It worked. Mm-hmm. Your audience connected with you, which mm-hmm. is great. And now you're remounting it. Yeah. So did, what did you take from the Fringe run that you wanted to change mm-hmm. or do differently in the second run? Like, yeah. are, are there major changes? or? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Like, I, I already kind of see it as a different show. Mm. Uh, personally, there's a lot of things in my life that have completely changed. So I've been talking about how, like, it doesn't even feel like it's me anymore. Like, mm-hmm. it, it isn't it now a character that I'm playing, which is weird. Huh. Uh, where, like, in Fringe, it was, like, very present. Like, it or very fresh. It was, yes. like, a few months past and, uh, since, like, all the things had happened. And, yeah, it was very, very fresh. And now I, like, feel my life has just shifted a lot more mm. in regards to everything that I talk about. Uh, so now going into the remount, it now feels like I guess I'm acting, um, you know, and, that, yeah. and I'm acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also because it's in a, a theater space that is very different than what we were working with, um, just like the raised stage, the raked theater, um, the black box. I guess the black box was kind of in both, but um, yeah, the factory studio is is raised and it has the stairs. Mm-hmm. And so we're playing with the difference between on stage and off stage, yeah. um, and like. With the Crow's studio, everyone saw everything all the time. Yes. And there wasn't really anywhere I could hide. No. No. Uh, with Factory, we're playing it in a way that everyone still sees everything, but the reality is the customers don't see everything. So there's a section on the stage where, like, the character now goes and hides to have, like, her little mental breakdowns mm-hmm. and then comes out and is like, ah, sorry, I was just doing something quick in the back. Uh, anyway, I was talking about this thing. So you kind of get to see the flip, which is really what I like a lot about, you know, not a lot I like a lot, but as a, as a bartender, as mm-hmm. a, a server, I so much put on that happy face. I so much like play to the audience mm-hmm. where like then I can go hide around in the bathroom and like have a little cry yeah. um, and then come out and be like, I'm fine. Yes, yes. So that's something that we didn't have to play with in the fringe run mm. because it was very tight. So now I'm really excited to kind of play with that dynamic, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, but now you're doing it outside of Fringe, mm-hmm. and how did that come about? By the way, how did this? How did this? It's end up a happening? very weird story, okay. and I'm going to leave out some details. It's going to be a little bit ominous, yeah. but oh, the huh? bare bones of it uh, is there was a a man who posted on Facebook mm-hmm. on a bunch of different theater groups, and it was basically asking for a solo or, like, small-scale uh, show with a small budget for a run at the Factory Theater these days. And a bunch of people tagged me, and mm-hmm. they're like, Holly, 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 Holly. I was like, okay. So I, like, kind of looked into it, and it was, was like, just pitch me, um, like, pitch me the project, the, a detailed synopsis, the budget breakdown, mm. and, like, any, like, press or media you have. So I, I basically just sent this guy a package, and then, like, a month after that, he's like, great, love it, sounds good, you're in. I'm like, oh, cool, <laughs> cool. It most, okay. Yeah, it, it is very, very strange, um, and we're very lucky. Yeah. Uh, and it, it 
mostly just fell into our lap. Uh, and yeah, so this guy basically rented a space at the factory and needed a show to fill the space. Hmm. So we're that show. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But that's a great opportunity to like yeah. take the show because now, you know, you don't necessarily have the, the time constraint of mm. Fringe, which, you know, there's a lot of pressure yeah. on that one. Yeah. Like, I don't remember how long your show what was it a full sixty or was uh, it? it was fifty five depending on the ending. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because now I've seen people ride the edge of of fringe like or, of that sixty minutes. Like I saw a show by James Gangle years oh, yeah, ago yeah, yeah. where like he it was his first show and he was literally sixty. People started laughing. You're like, thank you, no time. We got to press go, on. Like, yeah. and it was like, whoa, you are really, you are really right, cutting, it. cutting it close. Mm. And like, so to be able to take that away and to be able to like yeah. fill it out and sit in moments that maybe you couldn't sit in before because of time. Oh yeah, we're very excited for that. And I think also for me as well, because when we first, when I first wrote it and we first rehearsed it, I think uh, the first section, which is before we even ask the first drink, was running at twenty eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. also had a mini mental breakdown and cut half the script. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so then from there on, I kept being like, okay, when I'm, wherever I'm speaking, I'm just going to speak really, really fast, and then everyone's going to have to understand what I'm saying. Like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, but now, it, yeah, I can sit in those moments longer. We technically have two hours, but I'm only using like an hour and 15, and even then, yeah. that's like... We don't, I don't even think we're going to get that long. Like, I didn't expand it that much. No. Um, but it, it's really nice because there's zero time constraints yeah. in it. <clears throat> I've always found for myself, outside of a fringe, outside of a festival, mm. that if people can give me 70 minutes, I'm satisfied. But if mm. it's like 60 outside, if it's like under, I'm like, <laughs> well, that's not, I don't, I, that mm. wasn't worth my, like, no. you know. <laughs> I could have stayed home. It's like yeah. it's like somehow somehow that extra ten minutes is like, you, like feels like a thing, <laughs> right. like some meat that you were yeah. able to have. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't have to like two hours. I even feel like two hours is a long it's time long. these days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially for a solo show. Oh like, God, I don't know if I've seen a two-hour solo show. I've seen ninety minutes. Okay, like yeah. Danny McIver in mm. House is like is ninety minutes. Okay, um, but like. That's Danny McIver. Yeah, it's Danny McIver. You know, McIver. He, he, he kind of let him have that. He, he, he can, I mean, he can do it. <laughs> he can so. do it. Yeah, he's got um, these chops. Yeah. So aside from aside from from the time mm-hmm. and sort of like revisiting the script, what do you? Is there something you're hoping for this aside from the people come? Yeah, and that's I mean, sort of I, a given. People come. Yeah, please come. That'd be great. Uh, and then yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping that like. Yeah, I, we've talked about it, too. Like, the whole team kind of feels the same. We're like, I think the show is very important. I think it says a lot of things that, like, you go into it and then you come out being like, <clears throat> oh, yeah, maybe I've, like, just put this, put myself in this box of, like, this is my sexuality and everything else doesn't matter. We're like, sexuality is fluid. Gender is fluid. Like, everything mm-hmm. is fluid. And, like, also the separation between romance. Uh, romantic attraction mm-hmm. and sexual attraction and like even that concept whenever I express what that is to people they get mm-hmm. so confused and I was like no 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 see I am not sexually attracted to anyone but I'm romantically attracted to everyone mm-hmm. and people are like yeah. oh so like so like all your friends and stuff and I was like no 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 no, no. that's a friend's <laughs> uh, that's different <laughs> like no 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 it just means like all genders I'm attracted to but it's still like separate it's still like a feeling that you get Ugh. it's so pop culture has done such a disservice in terms of this sort of thing like people have such a limited 
myself included. Like I'm not, not, I'm not taking myself off the hook. It's like my brain goes through yeah. contortions, but I, you know, your show does a great job of, mm. of, of, of putting it out there and yeah. sort of like, and, and that sort of thing. But it's, it's still like pop culture does not allow us fluidity. It's like, mm. this is the way it is. Love, yep. sex, boom. That's, boom. that's, Marriage, those are, those kids, are your yeah. choices. Love, sex, Everything maybe marriage. Else. But yeah. like, it's <laughs> like, there's, it's so limited. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think the limitations is also something that people kind of, like, are comfortable in, mm-hmm. and people like to be comfortable, mm-hmm. so the moment you start questioning or changing that idea is the moment that people are like, ah, uh, nope, nope, it's this one thing, Yeah. so I want to be able to say as many things as I can and be like, it's okay, yeah. it's okay that I still don't really know what this means, where I'm like, ah, to this day, every single moment, I'm still mm-hmm. like... I don't know. I mean, like, yes, I identify as asexual, but that can change. I yeah. don't know. Like, right now, I know that I'm not sexually attracted to anyone. Who knows? Maybe in 10 years, I'll be sexually attracted to a plant. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, that. I mean, I think the idea that, that it is fluid mm. allows, because I think, I think that's something that even people in, say, the queer community mm-hmm. uh, sometimes get stuck in, ah, I am this, that yeah. is what I am, therefore... And then it's like, but no, yeah. it's like just because, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. It's if you're if you're gay, you you only like the same gender. That may also change, yes, or like yeah. even even just with like a transgender, non-binary, and stuff. I'm like, you know, like you're still attracted yeah. to different people, different types yeah. of people. Like, and also gender's fluid. Like, it's just, yeah. I yeah. think that concept and that's something that as my show, I want to be able to like outreach those people who literally just don't know. Like, mm-hmm. so many people are like, I just didn't even, I didn't even think of that as a thing. And, like, we'll take, like, for me, yeah. I know because I've done the research. Yeah. My hope is that people come to the show, sit for a second, and actually, like, you know, maybe Google something and be like, wait, this is a thing? Yeah. I can feel this thing? I can look up this thing? I can read this book about this thing? Yeah. Um, and just know more? And, like, specifically, like, uh, a friend of mine was saying how, like, their parent, who's, like, 60 years old came out as asexual after, like, hearing about the show. Mm. And was like, I just didn't have a word to describe it before. And, like, oh. those are the, the moments yeah. that I'm like, I want I want to be able to, like, help that yeah. journey. Because for me as well, I didn't yeah. know until I ha- luckily had a best friend who knew me very well. Yes. Yeah. And even then, where when would I have found out when? So yeah, that's what I want to do. Well, I mean, and you had people coming up to you after mm-hmm. the show and, and, mm. and, 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 like, talk about their asexuality Ooh. and stuff like that. Well, I mean, what's that? What was that like for you to have people like out of the blue, like yeah. talk to you after the show and like want to talk to you about that? Originally, I mean, every time it happened, it was very stressful because we had 15 minutes to take it out. That's it. Um, and our set, it was a no, lot. No, no, there was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I watched you guys. I watched you guys lug that stuff out after I saw it. And I was like, "That is a lot of stuff." Yeah, yeah. It was. It, yeah, no. Uh, we had too many things, uh, but it looked right. Uh, thanks to our set designer, Ellen um, Berger. Anyway, uh, so it, when I had a chance to actually like enjoy it, or I knew that like things were being taken care of, it was. It was very nice. Mm-hmm. It was also like very validating, which is like mm-hmm. big thing about my show is like not feeling real or validated. Yeah. Um, so it was very validating, and also just like. Yeah, because that's what I want to do when I see something yeah. like that, you know. And and also like kudos to any person who reached out to me because like that's also not easy to go up to someone that you don't know and be like, uh, I saw your show and and this made me feel this thing. So 
that was really nice. Just, I don't know, that, that I was approachable enough that yeah. they felt they could do that. And I also had a few emails, too, that I'm, like, in contact with people. Like, it's just, it's yeah. very nice because it is. It's just, like, those small steps that are moving towards, like, this is a thing. We exist, yeah. kind of. I think there's a, a thing about people who come up to a performer after a show, especially when they've been touched by a show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like... I think that they are compelled to do it because of the show. Mm. And so, like, you, you as the performer and writer, you touch them mm. and, and, and they felt something and they want to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Which is like them wanting to share with you this thing, which is kind of like great because we do this and we put it out there and sometimes people, people clap and then they leave and you're like, okay, great. But, did yeah, like that? Did, did they really like that? When people mm. comment on it, and the comment is not that was nice. Yeah, like, that means that you that you did something good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to talk with you a little bit about um, what is it that made you want to create theater? What what brought you into theater? Whoa. Do you remember what your theater origin story is? No, but only because I've been doing it for over 20 years. Okay. And I'm 27. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I've also le- jokingly been like, I don't remember anything before I was 10. So, you know, <laughs> um, specifically though, like I was very, very blessed um, with the school that mm-hmm. I, I went to, attended in elementary school. It was a very arts driven school. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a kid, I was like, I needed something to reach out to to feel validated, mm-hmm. and that was the thing that was available to me. Yeah. So, and had it not been, maybe I would have still found it. But like, I remember doing like I was in the choir in grade one. Like, what I was like five or six. Like, uh-huh. you know, even in like kindergarten, we would do little plays, and like I was in a musical when I was in grade three. You know, I got to do Annie, and I was like so like excited by it. And everyone's like, "You're so funny! You're such a little kid, and you're mm-hmm. funny." And I was like, "I don't know. I just like this. Yes, it's just yeah. what I like." And there was never a question as to what I was going to do with my life because this was just it. Like mm. it never came up. I was just like, "Oh well, I'm just going to keep doing this. Like, why would I ever do anything else?" I don't was there ever a point where you like you suddenly realized that it was a thing that you could do, and not just like for fun, but like. You could do it? I don't know. Because it was just so, it was so common Mm. that I was like, well, obviously I'm going to do this. Like it it did, it was just such a a common thing. Like I was constantly like there was a play and a musical, like the drama club, the Mm -hmm. choir. Um, It was just part of my life. So I like it just, I I just didn't think anything else. I was like, yeah, obviously this is the thing I'm going to do and I'll keep doing it. (laughs) And you went to a school that was like supportive of that yeah so, yeah, yeah. oh good. my god all yeah. of my elementary school teachers who like i still have one of them on facebook like <laughs> it, like my choir teacher is lovely and like mm-hmm. they yeah they were all just like so happy to have yeah. one kid who was just like gung-ho give me everything nice. i'll do it all yeah um and yeah my mom was very supportive in that too like she was so happy to have me just like perform and like exp- you know be on stage yeah. and like yeah and it just has always been a big big part of my life so i it, that's why origin story not so much just mm. like it's always been there yeah did you go to theater school when you were down high school i or? did yeah. i went to st lawrence college for musical theater okay. uh which i regret but <laughs> mostly because it, it's, it was such a baby program which now it's like oh god it's like 10 12 years old but when mm. i went it was like it's fourth or fifth year mm. so it was so new they were working out so many kinks yeah. and it was just like it was such a, a terrible 
learning environment in Brockville, Ontario. Right. So it's not like I could like go to school and then like go see a show in Toronto. It wasn't available. No. You were just isolated to this tiny city. Yes. You know, Hmm. like Toronto's three hour drive. So even with a car, I was like, I'm not, I have to make a plan and make a day of going to Toronto. Um, so yeah, I went there for musical theater and like musical theater, I should say, is where I kind of started him. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I always think the musical theater often for, for a lot of people is like the gateway drug into theater. <laughs> yes. Like maybe it's music, maybe it's uh, show tunes and, yeah. and soundtracks and yeah. original cast recordings. And then it's like, suddenly you're like, oh, there's other things. Yeah. There's, oh, there's yeah. actual just the uh, performing. Yeah. Uh, and I also like endow a lot of music in my performance like that's something that kind of like i write musical comedy mm-hmm. songs i have music in my show so it's like <clears throat> i always have music kind of mm-hmm. as an element uh and i i'm still i still have such a beautiful like heart towards musical theater yeah. i just it's not it's just not the career choice for anyone why does anyone do musical did, theater? did, did you choose that particular school or did you like did you audition for a yeah, bunch yeah uh, it's, it's the only one I got into okay. um, no I also got into Brock for theater but sure. uh, my mom was like I don't think you'll survive in a school without music so I that's that's choosing. that's I mean that's uh that's pretty insightful yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well music is always aside from just theater but like even growing up like I played violin I mm. played the clarinet in band mm. I you know I play the guitar now yeah. and that's kind of something I took up after school but like yeah music has always kind of been my way of introducing into th- theatricality yeah. and even high school was was supportive of, of no the, no okay no okay. no <laughs> When I told, so, you know, in high school, they're like, all right, so now we have to start thinking about mm-hmm. secondary, what you're going to do after high school. And mm-hmm. everybody was like, university, university, university. And I sat down with a guidance counselor and they said, so what do you want to do? And I said, I wanted to be an actor. And they were like. <laughs> I, I don't know how to help you. I don't have things <laughs> I don't, for that. I don't know how to deal with that yeah you know did, yeah. did you have anything like that um, i didn't well my guidance counselor helped actually they, mm-hmm. they did have schools and stuff to apply to but like mm-hmm. that was it they're like okay well here's the programs for those schools figure right. it out yeah. like there was no guidance in regards to like which school would be best for me and how can i achieve that and like my vocal coach at the time was getting me prepared to audition for sheridan mm-hmm. and i didn't do randolph because it was not covered by osap at the time yes, or whatever. Yeah. but uh i was like i can't afford that mm-hmm. down in toronto um and then yeah so sheridan i think i auditioned for ryerson i had an audition for george brown mm-hmm. But yeah, musical theater is definitely more of like what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I think St. Clair, maybe I may have gotten accepted to that too. I honestly can't remember, yeah. but for the like musical theater schools in Ontario. Um, and yeah, so my vocal teacher did help me in regards to like preparing for those. And like yeah. my music teacher at school was, I want to say supportive because that's what his intention was <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. and like, he's also my best friend's dad. So I want to be very uh, careful about the words that I choose. <laughs> um, but he did, he did help. Like he, he played the piano for my um, tape that I had to send in. And like, he was the one that got me scholarships in <laughs> theater and stuff. So that helped towards it. Um, so I did have him, you know, I, and my drama teacher, like she was so not, efficient in regards to, or just like she didn't know what drama was 
and was our drama teacher. Uh, 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 yeah, she yeah. kind of like got thrown into the role. And even now talking to her, because I have her on Facebook and I check in with her sometimes and yeah. go to her classes when I'm back in Thunder Bay. Uh, she is just like, yeah, my first year here, I had no clue what I was doing. Like, I just made it up. I was like, oh, I could tell. <laughs> yeah. was, was she like an English teacher that got to, well, yeah. English and drama yeah. are... Yeah. The same. You yeah. should teach drama. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So like she, you know, she was supportive in that sense of like, I'm gonna do this thing. She's like, okay. Uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so as far as like the options, I, I knew a few people who had gone to Sheridan, mm-hmm. so that was like obviously, oh, check out Sheridan, mm-hmm. go to Sheridan, and my audition just got really crapped on with some circumstances mm-hmm. where I had tickets to see Chicago the night after my audition, so I had to be. In Toronto, or in Toronto or Oakville to audition and then fly back to Thunder Bay for these tickets and then they're like oh you're a callback is the next day I was like oh but my God. I had coordinated with this person who said I could do it today and they're like that's not an option I was like but they said I could that's mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah oh, so it, yeah. it's for the best like yeah. I know that I wouldn't have lasted at Sheridan mm. um, just you know from now people knowing people who've gone and, yeah. and whatnot but yeah when did when you were deciding that you were going to make Drink of Choice, what became Drink of Choice, a solo um, show. Had you done a solo show before? No. Had you, okay. <laughs> Had you seen solo shows before? Uh, nope. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm no, a awesome. terrible wow. person. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, what, how did you come to it being a solo show then, having not seen solo um, shows? I've, Okay, as far as, like, theater goes, I've always done mostly solo content. Mm-hmm. Like, performance-wise, I was running, a, I was hosting and curating a weekly, or monthly comedy music show uh, that kind of got me a lot of my stand-up bits out of that. I was doing stand-up. And, like, even with improv, I was like, oh, I don't fit in a troupe. I just want to jump into shows. Uh, so I've always been more of, like, a solo person. Mm-hmm. I've also done projects with groups of people that fall apart mm-hmm. and so for solo i was like well th- i just have to rely on myself mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. so that was a part of it i did a, a duo show or two two person two-hander uh, three years ago at mm-hmm. fringe that was really great mm-hmm. um and i'm very happy for it but even then i was like if i just did it myself then then everything will work <laughs> uh-huh. uh, without being like oh wait i also need a team on board and i've been very lucky with my team uh and i did take a, a one person show writing workshop a couple of years ago mm-hmm. now. Um, so it was like, I had the intention, oh, and, and Natasha Boomer as well mm-hmm. is like a very big inspiration to me. Um, so I've seen a couple of her shows, mm-hmm. but just like, yeah, the idea of telling my story, yeah. it didn't make sense to bring anyone else into it. Because yeah. it was like, this is so authentic to me that I don't see any other characters. Like, I just don't know what else would add to it mm-hmm. aside from just like, here's this story. Yeah. You mentioned your team. You've mentioned your team a couple yeah. of times. How did you, your team was, Pretty awesome. Yeah. Like you've got, I know. you have like an amazing team. I know. You. How did you assemble that team? <laughs> like, what did you, did well, you, did you know these people yes. beforehand? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so originally I had this script I was writing. So it's been a year actually since I started writing Drink of okay. Choice. It was October last year. I was working on and talking to my friend Yolanda, Yolanda Bonnell, who's an amazing, talented theater creator and mm. artist. Um, has a couple shows at Theater Pass and this season, but a good friend of mine, she's from Thunder Bay. So that's how we know each other. And so I was like, okay, let's just sit down. And we're just like having a coffee. I think it was like after my birthday or something. She's like, oh, I'll just buy you a cupcake and we'll catch up. And I'm talking about my show that I'm writing. And she's like, send it to me. I'm like, uh, I saw it done. She's like, I don't care. Send it to me. I will dramaturge it for you. And I'm like, what? 
I just, hmm. <laughs> so I was like kind of forced into. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But mostly because I was like, what? Why would you want to do that? You're so amazing. Like you have mm-hmm. so many other things. She's like, I love you and I love your work. And mm-hmm. I, want, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So I sent it to her. And then I was in, in Montreal in January for Amanda Cordner's solo show that she does. Mm-hmm. It was up at Centaur Theater. Um, and I, it was for her birthday. And I'm sitting there talking about my show. And she goes, so like, are you looking for a director that's like, experienced and I was like honestly I'm just looking with someone who I can collaborate with on and she's like I mean I'll direct it <laughs> I was like what <laughs> uh, what do you mean mm-hmm. you're amazing again just like but you're so great why would you want to direct my piece uh, and then Jess is like my go to person mm-hmm. for all of that and again it was more of like I was going to her house to catch up, but I also, like, was going to be, like, can you stage manage <laughs> um, And she was, like, yeah, of course. I already assumed that was happening. Yeah. Uh, and then, as far as producing goes, I knew I couldn't produce it on my own. And I, I did have a little bit of, like, an up and down with finding people. Mm-hmm. I was, like, I'll do it. No, I can't do it. I found someone. They bailed, like, two months before Fringe. I was, like, shit. Uh, what am I going to do? And I just posted on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Marchand, who I've, I've become very close with now, um... We knew each other through comedy, through a mutual friend, Mm -hmm. and, like, I'd seen her do stuff. I've I've seen her on social media and stuff, and she basically just messaged me. I was like, you still looking for a producer? I was like, yeah, do you know anyone? She's like, I mean, like, can I throw my hat in the room? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And we basically sat down and just started talking about the show, and then halfway through, she's like, wait. Maybe we should, like, agree that this is official before we keep going. I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. I just got so excited. Um, so we had already, like, hit it off right away. And nice. was already, like, pitching things. And nice. Yeah, so that's, like, our core team. And then this turnaround, like, we've added a few other people, like Chin, um, who's a lighting designer for everywhere. He designed my show three years ago at Fringe, actually. Mm-hmm. But it is, works with Sarah. So it's Sarah Knows People. Uh, and then Christopher Ross is a friend of mine and, um, he basically offered to help. Nice. Um, and then he is production manager. And then, um, uh, Rochelle Richardson, who that was all, that was our our outsource hire. So we're like, we want to bring someone into the project as a production assistant. So basically just like the every man, do everything, every woman, every person. Um, and we had interviews and we like did a posting and everything mm-hmm. and, and Rochelle's great. And they basically just sat down and we're just so wonderful. And we're like, great, you're in, let's do it. Nice. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of our team. And then, uh, we had, yeah, I guess we've gotten pictures done mm-hmm. and trailer and just all the things are popping up. So many, th- like so many of the things that often don't get done for like fringe <laughs> for a lot of people. Like sometimes there's no photo shoot. There's certainly sometimes no trailer. Yeah. Right? But now it's like, yeah. now you've got your team and, and I mean, you had your team, but now you're like expanding it and yeah. you're getting more done. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's uh, very exciting. And like, also it's so funny. Cause it's like, I say I'm doing a solo show and people are like, well, why do you need so many people? I'm like, <laughs> you, you need an yeah. infrastructure. Yeah. You need you know? people, you need to, people help. to Yeah. There's so many things that you can't do. Yeah. Like run this show. Yeah, I'm like, I can't call the show while I'm on no. stage. Or <laughs> change the work. lights or run the sound. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, or like yeah. design an entire set. Wait, <laughs> that's a lie. I'm the set designer for the yeah. show. <laughs> Oops. Because uh, we're doing a new set, uh, which is exciting. But That's fun. Yeah, so I just I just have lucked out with the people in my life yeah. who are all very wonderful and are willing to help me. So I'd like to think that's a reflection on the person I am. 
<laughs> I, would, I would think so. If people didn't like you, they wouldn't want to work you're right, with you. You're right, so, you're right, you're right. If yeah. they were just like, you know what, you're a terrible person, but I'm going to work with you to spite it. <laughs> yes, that seems like not a, not a thing that humans would do. No, no, you're right. Um, so have you managed to get into the, into the space at all yet? Or? We did a, a like, uh, just a walkthrough of the yeah. space, um, yeah. and kind of that helped us really solidify what the set's going to look like mm-hmm. and what the, cause there's uh, the stage and then there's down the stairs where the audience is. So we're playing with both areas. Mm-hmm. So that affects our lighting design. We're taking out a chunk of the stage. So it's giving more space in the front. Right. Um, and we're like masking the back. So it's really kind of a closeted bar area. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited. It is exciting. It's a, it's, a, it's a great it's a great space to work uh-huh. in. Um, so that's I mean I'm so glad that your show is is getting a, a, like another. another I know, shot. me too. It's so exciting. And yeah. I had so many people who were like, "Sorry, I couldn't see your show at Fringe." And I'm sure like everyone does that, right? Yeah. Um, but now they're like, oh, "I'm so excited because I'll see it." I was like, "Good, please that's buy tickets." Good. Yes. <laughs> well, I thank yeah. you so much. It's been a yeah, great conversation. Oh, yeah, thank you for having me, Phil. This is wonderful. This has been a Homebody Productions production.